Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and this week I am taking a break from my mini-series on fascism and the environment to talk about fascism and abortion rights. Like I said, I will be focusing specifically on fascist abortion law, although fascist reproductive health law will also play a part in this segment. I unfortunately probably don't have to tell anybody why I am delaying the continuation of the fascism and the environment miniseries. This is due to the repeal of Roe v. Wade in the United States, whose implications on present-day fascist and extreme right-wing development I will be getting into on Thursday uh, on the regular podcast this week. I'm going to be structuring this episode by talking about three countries that had prolonged governments which were either run by fascists or with extreme fascist involvement and collaboration. So I'm going to be talking about, in order, Spain, Italy, and Germany. That is, Francoist Spain, Fascist Italy, and Nazi Germany. There are, of course, other cases of fascist governments in power, usually those that were uh, involving collaborator governments of the Nazis, for example, Hungary, or governments that were run by fascists or almost run by fascists, such as Austria, although uh, its eventual folding into Nazi Germany makes it better to handle in that context. I'm going to start out with Spain. Under the government of Francisco Franco, the general, the Spanish military officer who led the Spanish nationalist forces to victory during the Spanish Civil War in the early 1930s, abortion was made illegal, and the doctors who performed them were liable for criminal prosecution. There was a law against abortion on the criminal code in 1932, which predates the Spanish Civil War. However, the Franco government in 1941 made abortion strictly illegal and imposed serious uh, legal consequences to doctors who performed abortions. We're talking long jail sentences ranging from one year to 14 years in jail and extremely high fines. Doctors and nurses who participated in abortions also risked the loss of their licenses to practice medicine in Spain. Uh, losses of their licenses often long outlasted the jail times that were imposed for um, carrying out an abortion. Women who had abortions were also liable for prosecution and imprisonment under the same law. The reason that abortion was made illegal under Francoist Spain was that the nationalists in Spain were worried about racial and ideological mixture. They wanted to encourage the development of what they considered to be a better kind of Spanish person, uh, who they imagined to be Catholic, traditionalist, and white. Conservative Catholicism, of course, especially as it was practiced in Spain in the early and mid-20th century, had absolutely no place for abortion ideologically or theologically. This meant that the only way to improve, quote-unquote, you know, as the fascists understood it, the only way to improve what they understood to be the Spanish race was to encourage the birth of what they thought of as better Spaniards. And this is going to be a major theme going throughout this episode of fascist abortion policies. Their purpose is to prevent the abortion of people whom they consider to be the best kind of people. After the fall of Francoism in the 1970s, most major parties were still in favor of bans on abortion. Most of them were still anti-choice, with the exception of the communists and the socialists, which is, again, another major theme running through this episode. Typically in Europe uh, in the early 20th century, 
And similarly, in the United States in the early 20th century, it was the left, socialists and communists, who were in favor of women's right to choose whether or not they wanted to carry a pregnancy to term. Eventual legalization of abortion followed actually quite long after the return of democracy in Spain in 1985. Although for some time prior to that, women were able to get abortions in the case of facing uh, danger to their own lives. Moving on to Italy, Italy actually had legalized abortion quite early. After the unification of Italy in the 1860s and 1870s, which is a long, somewhat complicated historical process, abortion was legalized in 1889, uh, which is quite early. After the fascist takeover of Italy in 1922, however, Mussolini, who was initially a socialist early on in his political career and was therefore fully in favor of women's right to choose, he became incredibly concerned, like all nationalists and almost all fascists, about abortion and birth rates for Italian people. He wanted to, quote, maintain the population, which again is a very common refrain coming from fascists regarding abortion rights and abortion access. Abortion was finally made illegal very quickly after the fascist takeover in the 1920s. It was made illegal as a part of a nationalist push, uh, which coincided also with a fine for people who were married but had no children for having, you know, a childless marriage. This was part of a wider political struggle in fascist Italy called the Battle for Births, which was a warlike definition, a warlike you know, frame around Italy's natalist push. It was coinciding with some other battle for the blank, you know, battle for the land, battle for the lira, which was the Italian currency at the time. These were warlike frames around social or economic or political problems that Italy was facing, or at least which they perceived themselves to be facing. And like many fascist countries and also non-fascist countries in the 1920s and 30s, Italy was terrified about being outstripped in terms of birth rates by other countries. And they thought that the only way that they could possibly compete in the future was by making a whole lot more Italians. So in 1931, abortion was made illegal. There was jail time for abortion providers and for the women who sought abortions. Finally, after the conclusion of the fascist period, so after the restoration of democracy in 1944 and 1945, abortion remained illegal in Italy, but was often unprosecuted to the extent that doctors were able to provide abortions for profit and actually make a living off of providing abortions, essentially you know, running abortion clinics, despite that abortion remained illegal on the books. Finally, in 1978, a law was passed which legalized abortion in the first trimester in Italy. Moving on, finally, to Germany. Germany is, in many cases, the most complicated case when it comes to abortion law, because unlike the previous two countries which I spoke of, which tried to organize their population primarily through promoting the birth of people whom they deemed to be the best kind of people, you know, Italians and Spaniards, white and Catholic, Germany also participated in a negative form of population control. That's probably the most mild, antiseptic way that you could possibly describe Germany's um, genocidal eugenics program. So, as a historical background, during the Weimar period, which is the period of Republican government between the German Empire that ruled Germany during World War I and the Nazi German government that ruled Germany during World War II. So during the Weimar period, this, this interwar period, abortion was illegal, uh, but it was essentially a misdemeanor. This was a development, this was a, you know, a progressive reform from the German Empire's policy, which was much more restrictive and you know, actually criminalized. Uh, 
Instead, abortion was a misdemeanor, which was potentially punishable by a fine, but that often wasn't enforced particularly strictly. This was due to women's relative power in Weimar Germany. Women had the right to vote in Weimar Germany and also represented about 7-9% of the German legislature, which was relatively high for the time in Europe. Germany also benefited from a very large socialist and communist political movement, which also promoted the right of women to choose whether they wanted to carry a pregnancy to term. The demands of communists and women made abortion a misdemeanor as opposed to a major, you know, legal battle. And legal cases uh, also allowed women to seek an abortion due to their health um, in 1927. However, when Adolf Hitler came to power in 1933, they changed the law pretty significantly. As I said before, the Nazis employed both a negative and positive eugenicist program. They used natalism and nationalism together, as opposed to primarily using a natalist bend, you know, to try to promote the birth of what they considered to be desirable people. Abortion was made a crime against the race, that's quote-unquote a crime against the race, by the Nazi government in May 1933. This was one of the first things they did. It was four months after Hitler had become chancellor in January of that year. There were legal, financial, and licensure consequences for doctors and nurses who practiced abortion, just like in the Italian and Spanish cases. There were also legal and jail time consequences for women who sought abortions. Repeat, quote, offenders of these abortion laws, that is, women who sought multiple abortions, were actually liable for the death penalty under German law. And specifically here, I'm talking about uh, women who the German government deemed to be Aryan, women who they thought were members of the desired ethnic group of Germany. Even then, however, even for these women who were liable for prosecution for death for seeking abortions, there was actually a legal provision for allowing women to get an abortion in the case of the risk to her life. However, of course, uh, this was extremely restricted and was not particularly well available. You know, it was extremely hard to get. However, the fact that it even existed in this case is, um, you know, it's astonishing and telling. The German natalist push came alongside a wider push against anybody who was Aryan but was not having children and starting families. So this is queer people. These are people who just happened to not want to have children. Hitler always promoted the idea that young boys were future fathers and young women were future mothers, and that they must, that they needed to think about themselves in this way, specifically in order for Germany to be able to maintain its competitiveness against other European countries and other world powers. Simultaneously, on the obverse side of this, which, you know, this restricted abortion access to Aryan women who might want to have controlled their reproductive future, Germany, that is Nazi Germany, also had enforced abortion and sterilization uh, for those whom the German Nazis wanted to eliminate from the world. Uh, so specifically, we're talking about Jewish people and members of other ethnic groups, which the German state believed to be undesirable. Uh, so we're talking Roma, people of Slavic descent, uh, also liable for this kind of extreme eugenicist genocidal practice were people who had disabilities, people who were neurodivergent, uh, people who were homosexual, anybody who did not fit Germany's particular ideology, the, the particular Nazi definition of what a desirable person was. 
I want to be clear here, this point, the fact that the German state enforced abortion and sterilization for some people it did not want to continue to exist, has absolutely nothing, like nothing, to do with the legalization of abortion in the world for people who choose to have abortions. This is something that is often brought up by opponents of abortion access, not just in the United States, but around the world. You know, the Nazis had enforced abortion for people. Yes, they did. That was the just the other side of the coin of the same policy that made them restrict abortion access to specifically white Aryan women, their desire to control who was allowed to be born. Instead, if you are pro-choice, that means you are pro-choice. You think that the person who is having the baby should be the person who decides whether to have the baby or not, and not the state. In any case, uh, to continue on with our discussion of German natalist policies, abortion access depended heavily on which part of Germany you were in. In East Germany, run by a communist collaborator government with the Soviet Union, abortion was free and on demand in the first trimester, uh, as of 1971. In West Germany, which was aligned with the United States, the United Kingdom, and France, abortion was technically legal, but pretty restricted and was somewhat hard to access. Today, it remains like that in most of Germany, with abortion being technically legal, but with access being restricted in certain parts of Germany, specifically in southern Germany, which is run by a relatively conservative Christian, and that is Catholic party. And so that is a quick rundown of abortion access in the three countries that were most heavily ruled and influenced by fascist organizations, Spain, Italy, and Germany. In all cases, what we saw is that abortion access was restricted, denied, and even criminalized, but specifically for the people who that government thought were the people, you know, that, that should be having children. You know, it was part of a nationalist, nativist push, a desire to have more people in their country, a desire to use their own citizens as a resource in a geopolitical struggle alongside their underlying opposition to women's rights, queer rights, and people's rights to self-determination in general. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson. Thank you, Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music, for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you really like this episode, skip my Patreon. Go find a abortion access logistics organization locally or in the southern part of the United States or in any state where abortion has been suddenly made illegal and donate to them instead. Uh, skip, skip the Patreon. You can reach me on Twitter at Hist of the Right, that's H-I-S-T of the Right, or Fascism15. I'm also on Gmail at 15 Minutes of Fascism, that's 15 spelled out in one word, at gmail.com. Next week, I will be continuing my mini-series on fascism and the environment, and of course, uh, continuing our regularly scheduled fascism updates on Thursday. All right, I'll talk to you then.